Good afternoon. Whenever you take the chance to listen to the Open Run podcast, we are truly grateful. Today we have a great show today. Uh, we're going to be talking about fatherhood. And on this show, I have three different people uh, who I respect dearly, um, who I attended college with, and uh, they have different perspectives about fatherhood. Life is about your journey, and we've all taken different journeys. But on those journeys, we've also had similar experiences. So with no further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest. I'll go first. Uh, hey, uh, this is Sean Bailey. Um, like Clyde said, you know, we all uh, have known each other for quite a while. He and I actually went to school together. Um, I'm currently just in Los Angeles, uh, just working at a software company. No kids for me, uh, but I've got an interesting story uh, just on the dad side anyway. Um, so we'll see how that gets into today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Second guest, we have Mr. Jared Taylor. Welcome to the show, what my up, brother. What up? What up? Uh, my name is Give a look. Okay. <laughs> my name is Jeremy Taylor. Uh, I'm a father of two children. Um, Clyde and I were roommates in college, uh, and we've maintained uh, contact ever since. And uh, I look forward to doing this with you guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And last but definitely not least, Mr. Corey Newland. Introduce yourself, sir. Hey, how's it going? Corey Newland. 34 years old, currently stationed in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, um, in the Army. I got three kids, uh, currently going through a divorce, so I have a, a different perspective on that. So, yeah, coming by way of Southern California, San Diego. Diego in the house. Thank you, my brother. Welcome to the show. So let me get started because uh, some of my listeners don't know my background um, when it comes to my father. I was born in Akron, Ohio, the great state of Ohio. Yes, the great state. Uh, I was raised in Richmond, California. During that transition, uh, I was separated from my father. So there were a ton of years where I didn't have my father in my life. I was blessed and fortunate enough to have a stepfather, but uh, there were times when I felt inadequate. So during that time in my life, I decided to partake, you know, and try to run the streets and find out uh, from the streets what type of man that I want to be. Uh, during that time, I took a lot of chances, unnecessary chances, uh, ran with the wrong crowd, uh, did a lot of things that I'm blessed and fortunate not to pay the consequences for. And uh, during that time, I was uh, able to learn and grow um, and been working in the nonprofit field for over 20 years now. Uh, that's actually another place where I met Mr. Jeremy Taylor. We both worked at various group homes, counseling youth. And I just think that this conversation is going on. So uh, what I want to do right now is I want to turn it over to each uh, participant in this in this uh, interview. And I want you to just give me a little bit of background for your story. Uh, Sean, we'll save you for last because you have like a crazy story. So let's start with uh, Mr. Jeremy Taylor. So, uh, Mr. Taylor, uh, growing. let's talk a little bit about your childhood. Uh, growing up, was your father involved? In um, my dad was in and out pretty much most of my life. Um I grew up, I was born in 1974. I was born to interracial parents. Uh, my father's African-American, my mom is white. It's funny, um, I joke all the time is that when I was born, they put race down on your birth certificate. So it says Negro for my father. And you know, obviously it says Caucasian for my mother. Uh, my dad was pretty much in and out, alcohol, alcoholic. Um, he was an alcoholic. Uh, he had a bit of a drug problem. My grandmother pretty much stepped up for a majority of the time up until I would say I was 15. And then um, I went to my dad's for a while and then I ended up in foster care and then I got emancipated from foster care from the time I was 16 on. 
Wow. Wow. Man, that's an amazing story. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, I forget that you shared that with me. So what um, what do you think was like the most difficult thing um, going through that situation? As far you? as like just being, well, I mean, really, my dad wasn't like he was there physically when he was would be there. But there was no interactions really like, you know, other than hi, bye. It wasn't really like, hey, how was your day, son? Hanging out with me, you know, doing stupid stuff, whether it be playing models or whatever. Once in a while, we would play basketball, but for the most part, he was pretty much just an absentee. So, like, you really don't, you can just kind of grow up without it. You don't really know what you have if you don't really, if you never really had it, I guess, is the best way to say. Um, You know, and my mom wasn't around either. I was actually raised by primarily my father's mother, my grandmother. And it was just me and my brother and my grandmother, and she did it all. You know, she did everything that they didn't do as far as, you know, Christmas, birthdays, getting us to school, taking us to doctor's appointments, clothing us and so forth. My grandma was, you know, she was a special breed of lady. So, you know, and then my dad, like I said, he was in and out, in and out. And most of the times when he was there, it wasn't really a pleasurable experience due to his uh, substance right. abuse issues and chemical dependency problems. Wow, man. Powerful stuff, man. Powerful stuff. All right. Thank you very much for sharing. Mr. Corey Newland, let's talk a little bit about how you grew up. Yeah. See, I never knew my dad. Um, actually just found him on Ancestry DNA like last year and had the first conversation ever with him about a week ago. So that was interesting. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But so, what was the conversation like? Uh, he w- he was pretty pretty apprehensive about even possibly having a kid from there. But I mean, the DNA doesn't mm-hmm. lie. So yeah, apparently, he met his wow. now wife there, and he claimed that that's that's the only person he was ever with there. So I think he's just holding true to that to kind of stay with his with his wife and, and kind of keep good face with her. <laughs> wow. But, <laughs> Yeah. I really just wanted some uh, some medical history from him. That's really the only reason I was reaching out to him. I don't need nothing from him. <laughs> no, of course not. I mean, you turned out great. But let's talk a little bit. How how'd you grow up like without a father? So let's talk a little bit about your background. Yeah. So um. So grew up grew up under a single mother, but uh, she was in and out of selling drugs, so she was in and out of prison. So I spent a lot of time being mm-hmm. raised by my family collectively. I spent some time with my aunts and uncles, my grandparents, uh, a little time in Arizona with my grandfather, just living off his social security check was with the majority of the time while she was locked up. And then when she was out, we were we were kind of like wow. leaning heavily on the rest of the family to try and get her back on her feet. So yeah, it was a it was process. Wow. So knowing knowing, I mean, first of all. You know, you've been in the service for so long, man. So, you know, and, and I've known you for years, you know, for a while. So, I mean, I can just commend you on the way that you um, grew up. And even though you're going through a divorce, man, I know you're always there for your kids. You're always trying to do the most you can. Um, I've met them via video chat a few times. So, you know, like, I just want to commend you for that. So, like, when you were growing up, um, did you ever miss your father? Like, did you ever wonder what type of relationship were you having uh, to, to be with your father? Absolutely not, actually. I mean, it was always that that lingering, I wonder what he looks like, or, you know, 
but I had a male role model in my life consistently. My grandfather was always there, so that was that was it for me. I, I didn't feel that that void. You know what I mean? It, it didn't hit me like that. So. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. Well, we're gonna get deeper into that um, as we go on to the show. All right, Mr. S. Bailey. Please, please share with the world the story that you told me two weeks ago. Oh, the full. <laughs> you want me to just get into the full story? Um, well, I mean, I, go, let, go let, ahead. Let me, I'll, I'll do the same thing. You know, you asked uh, Corey and Jeremy. Um, you know, I grew up. My parents had split pretty or well, fairly early on, um, and we had moved out to Texas for a couple of years. My mom and her boyfriend, uh, which that's going to come back into come back into play in a minute when I get to the rest of the story um and then we came Mm -hmm. back and like she was with a couple of people you know until high school then she moved out of state um but I actually got lucky in middle school you know I met one of my closest friends uh whose name is also Sean you've met him um and his dad Mm -hmm. really kind of took me you know to this day I call him pops he calls me son you know so I had that there, even though I didn't have like my real dad around uh, and my grandpa was around, but it's funny because I can't even remember having a real full on conversation with him, but every memory I have is fond, you know, it's a fond memory. Uh, So that it, and my cousin's the same way. We're like, we can't ever remember talking to grandpa, but um, yeah, so that's, that's what it was, you know, and by the time I got into high school, I had really kind of stopped worrying about who my dad was and where it was i was just you know my mom never really gave me anything about it and so i didn't really care and i i'd had sean's dad so it didn't really bother me um so that's the the backstory so i i he wasn't around but i wasn't completely just floating around on my own um so now let's fast forward (laughs) about 20 years about 20 (laughs) years into this Right. A uh, couple years ago, I did um, the 23 and Me, and it was interesting. And you know, they keep updating it and making you know getting more specific with where you're from and this and that. And then they added the relatives piece. So the first part of this, there was a girl that showed up, and she wasn't a close relative, but she had the same last name as the guy my mom and I had moved to Texas with this guy, Michael. And so I reached out to her. I was like, Hey, I was like, do you know someone named Mike and his daughter's name was Nikki or Nicole? And she said, no, but it was enough for me to go. That was weird, you know, cause it's not like the name wasn't Smith or Gonzalez or Rodriguez. It wasn't something common. It was Zermino, which is like, I've told that to my friends and they've never heard that name before. So fast forward, um, I asked my mom about it. I was like, are you sure my dad's my dad? Like this girl showed up and she denied it. She's like, no, nothing. And if, even if he is like Mike was there for a few years at least. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Uh, fast forward even further, just a few more months. I posted a picture of myself on Instagram. It wasn't a selfie for any listeners. I'm not like that. Uh, but I posted a photo and some girl that apparently had been following me for months, but I'd never interacted with her. She just replies, we do look alike. And this was on a Friday afternoon. I was in the office and I was, I had no, I didn't know what to do. I was like, uh, and so I looked at her account, her username 
had a Z in it. And so I messaged her and I was like, what does the Z in your name stand for? And she wrote Zermino. And I was like, oh, so that's how this end, wow. this weekend is going to go. Um, <laughs> so I, we go back and forth. She gives me the whole story. So my mom was, and you know, props to my mom. She was getting what she had to get. She was seeing my dad on the birth certificate and my actual dad at the same time and she got pregnant and they made the decision that I would be John's son not not Mike's not you know not his kid yeah my biological right right so that's why I'm named John Tom Sean Thomas after John Thomas so anyway so we talk and she's like yeah we've we you know my dad used to say that we had a brother in California and I was looking for you on Facebook, but I couldn't find you. And then I found your mom, and yada, yada, yada. And turns out, so not only did I actually know my dad for at least a few years, um, I have three half sisters. So I went from being an only child to having oh. three half sisters. Uh, and wow. yeah, and two of them have kids. So I guess I have nieces and nephews that are actually mine, not just, you know, yeah. the other ones that I've been calling. Yeah. Um, right. And then I finally called my mom out on it, and she finally admitted like I that it was true and this and that. And I was like, so I guess wow. all the jokes she used to make about me being Mexican were actually true. You know, like they weren't jokes. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, yeah, yeah uh, that's wild. Like what? It, it that is wild. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, Sean, that Sean had wild. a good point. He was like, remember that Chris Rock bit? Men, men lie the most. Women tell the biggest lies. I was like, well, that's pretty appropriate, <laughs> right here. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, man, first of all, your your story sounds like a, a hallmark made for a TV type movie, man. But uh, even in going into this description, the one thing that I've noticed, and this is what kind of spawned this whole conversation, and for me wanting to do this topic, is you know, we've all had different journeys on this road to fatherhood, right? But being that we had these different type of journeys, there were some things missing. So let me ask you, Mr. Jeremy Taylor, like um, you being a father and you going through the substance abuse portion of this, man, are there lessons that you didn't learn growing up that you just can't wait to pour into your own children? And if so, what are those lessons? What are the most important values and morals that you think that you're going to pour into your children that you had to learn for yourself? My dad didn't teach me anything. Uh, he didn't even teach me how to ride a bike, to be honest with you. He didn't teach me how to shave. He didn't even teach me how to tie a tie, like how to cook up meat on the mm-hmm. grill. So like, I had to learn all this on my own. Um, and some of it came later on in life. And it's kind of, I feel like it's even kind of embarrassing because like up until this year when I started my new job, I didn't know how to tie a tie. And it was re- really embarrassing. So I had to force myself to learn how to tie a tie, something so simple that you think your dad would show you. But even like stuff like shaving. right? So with my oldest, I, I have two kids. So I have a seven-year-old girl and my son is 15. So with my son, I just try to give him everything that I know and just whatever little mental jewel or nugget I can come up with that I would feel that I could have used, I try to you know give to him. And the main thing, honestly, is just I'm here. You know, like my son lives with me. He's been living with me for quite a long time. So, you know, I think 
just our, our daily lives together, there's always something that I'm giving him that I didn't get. And that's just my, t- you know, whether it be time, whether it be learning how to shave, right. whether it be learning how to clean the mirror with a piece of newspaper and uh, water as opposed <laughs> to uh, Windex and uh, a paper towel. Right, right. I mean, first of all, time is the most valuable source that we can we can give uh, any anyone or or anything in our life because that's the one commodity that we can never never get back. So let me jump to Corey. Corey, so you um, in a similar situation as Mr. Taylor, you know, like not having that father there growing up in, in grandparent roles. Now that you're a parent, uh, what is what is the same question to you? Like, what are some of the values and morals that you that you had to learn for your own um, on your own? Excuse me, that you want to pass on to your children? What are the po- most important those those basic skills are definitely definitely important um i think a lot of what my kids are lacking based on where the army has put me up until this point that i find really important that i got from growing up in southern california is that multiculturalism that that growing up in a melting pot um and that's that's something i really want to bring into the fold so they can have a more a a more thorough perspective and understanding of, of humanity uh, just just by interacting with people of different cultures, you know, and I think that I gained that from kind of being raised by the community I was growing up in because I didn't have much of a presence at home when I was at home and not with my family. You know what I mean? Right. That's right. really important to me. It's just them having that perspective, and I, I'm I'm trying to find different ways I can I can make that happen. But right now, just just the uh, the legalities of the situation. Is, is kind of first and foremost number one priority right right I mean day by day man I mean great thank you for sharing um, and now we're going to go back to Bailey Bailey so you and I are the, are the two gentlemen uh, that don't have children but um, I think what ties this whole conversation together and, and anyone can jump in um, after Bailey speaks is what I find the most interesting thing is uh, even though we all came from different places um, and we had different experiences with fathers, right? And you kind of brought it up uh, yourself, just just me knowing you all these years, the identity mm-hmm. portion of it, right? Uh, not really knowing who you are, where you come from, um, and to give the background a little bit to the story to Mr. Bailey. Uh, Mr. Bailey, uh, going to college, we used to always joke, man, he looks like 18 <laughs> different nationalities. You know, if you ever want to uh, take a look at him. I, I call him George Clooney all the time, but he looks like he's 18 different nationalities. We used to call him Greek, Mexican, Italian, Spanish, Chinese, black, white. I mean, he could pass for anything. Um, and he just found out that he's just actually of Latino heritage. So, uh, Bailey, what, how, how do you feel after all this, man? I mean, like, just to really know now that you, you truly know your identity mm-hmm. a little bit, your heritage and your culture a little bit. So how do I you mean, feel it's, about it's interesting in that like I said, like, you know, like, and I mean, if you go by the, by the DNA test, like I know exactly, you know, the percentages. Cause like growing up the story that I, it was Italian and native American and then Irish. Cause my dad was Irish and the whole Bailey thing, but I really didn't like, he was gone. So I was like, you know, F that dude. I'm just, I'm Italian and native American. That's pretty much what I would say. But then growing up in Texas, where I was when I was kind of becoming a person because I was like eight, nine years old, seven, eight, nine. Um, I was, we were super poor, and all of the people in my area, like the white kids, were well to do, and the black kids in that area were, we were also, they're also poor. And so I naturally kind of just, I, it just worked that I'm 
fit in better with them. And so growing up, I was all over the place. Like the first album I ever bought was Ice Cube's The Predator. But I, you know, had a bowl cut. So it was super weird. Great album, <laughs> by the way. Fantastic album. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic album, true, true, true. Not a bowl cut, not so much. So, you know, it, it was really weird. But, but even growing up, like, everyone that I grew up, especially when I moved back to L.A., all my friends were black and Hispanic, black, black and Latino. And then, you know, Clyde, obviously, when we were doing frat. Like, you know, it just it, it felt more comfortable for me. But now that I know right. this, I, I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't suddenly have, like, a Mexican flag on my wall. I'm not, you know, things haven't changed. I'm still trying to figure out how to deal with it but right. it does give me a different perspective and that now i like the stuff that i did grow up seeing like how communities were treated and how people in those communities interacted like now i have i feel like what i saw and understood there is more validated because i'm like oh so i was on the right track right. and like i do understand what that is even if prior to this i didn't really think that i was part of that community so I think that's really where it's come where it's come down right. to right now. Although Sean said he bought me a Raider okay, jersey, wow, so you know I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, by by the way, by the way, I think uh, also you know it's very important. You know I don't want to keep this too serious, but I just want to let it be known we have a L.A. Rams fan uh, that would be Bailey. We have a Dallas Cowboy diehard fan of Mr. Jared Mercedes, <laughs> the star and or. Oh, yeah, I stepped up the star, by the way. Um, and Corey, who's your team again, brother? I forgot. Tell me, I had a team, team until they went to LA, and now I'm just I'm, I'm in the market for a new team. To be completely honest. Okay, well, you know, we're gonna send you we're gonna send you some uh, transfer <laughs> you know applications over to you. Yeah, I got you, man. I got you. I would invite you to my team, but I I wouldn't invite you to a dysfunctional yeah. relationship with yeah, Brown. Just just I, I just wouldn't do that. You can keep that. Yeah, that's just. You know, what I'm watch your mouth. Watch your mouth on the whole show. Watch your mouth. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, man, the 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 thing is, you know, this is a very multicultural podcast, man, and we've all experienced so many different things, man, and uh, you know, I don't want to keep it too formatted. So if you have something that you want to share, go ahead and share. But uh, I, I think, man, really. The, the most important thing is the, is the life experience. Um, you know, a lot of people give me a lot of credit for, for the way that I came up, you know, growing up in Richmond, California, at the time that I grew up was second in, in the nation to homicide, only to Cannon, New Jersey, and Richmond, California is a small place, man. If I was, if I didn't have mentorship and, 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 and uh, a stepfather who came in and, you know, at my life at 14, 15, but by that time I'm pretty much set in my ways um, and had a lot of crazy experiences, man. Um, I just remember taking chances because my mother and my great grandmother grew up in the church. You know, I grew up on the, the religious side and I remember in the church, man, it was always like two types of guys, right? There was the feminine tambourine player guy. And then there was always the slick womanizing guy in the church. Now. I'm not throwing stones and I'm not being judgmental, but I just knew I didn't want to be those guys in the church, right? And I just remember that I was drawn more to the to the guys in the streets, the guys who had the gold chains, the cars and the whips. And, you know, I felt if you were going to be a womanizer, at least don't be a womanizer for the house of the Lord. You know, if you're going to be a womanizer, just claim that you're a player and do it, you know, in a certain way. Um, and, you know, that's what I gravitated towards, just trying to be a man. And in doing that, you know, I got caught up in the streets. I got caught up with the wrong people. You start doing the wrong things. Man, and they influence you, right? So when I when I when I hear all you guys' situations, right? So what were like the influences that that shaped you 
into the type of man that you are, whether from a from a fatherhood standpoint or just just a guy like even 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 sports. Right. You know, I mean, I think that's just one common that common denominator uh, amongst us that, we, you know, we can all get together, have a cold beer. Uh, like uh, Jeremy said, you know, we could throw something on the grill and, and and just relax and just have a conversation. I mean, if I if, if I didn't know if I didn't grow up in Ohio, and my grandfather didn't take me to a Browns game, I damn sure would be a Browns fan, right? That that that's the one thing that you know that draws me to it. But because I have that root in manhood and that uh, that root in male bonding, that's what makes the team. So I know I'm going all over the place, but. Um, the, the life experiences, man. Like, what, what? Share, share, share some of those experiences, in those moments in your life where you felt that uh, it really shaped and defined you. Anybody can take it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. But, so. All right, I'm in. So, so like, it's probably the second time my mom got released. It was like my freshman year of high school, uh, maybe even my sophomore. Anyways, so. We're living in this modified storage unit, some industrial sector sector, and I come I come home from school after hours. I'm getting jumped, I'm getting robbed. Like some some vatos stole my skateboard. I'm like y'all y'all don't even skate. What you need that for, right? And uh, <laughs> wow. So it's it's just wow. a bad situation, right? But but like with sports, like what you were saying, you uh you learn all these schemes and strategies on how to overcome obstacles and adversity, right? And you gotta improve your situation right. and make things better. And I think, you know, learning how to apply that in every facet of life. So I think after after I was in these situations and then I got to the age where I can actually go get a job, that was the first thing I did. I went to my mom, I said, hey, I'm gonna get a job and I'm gonna start supplementing rent so we can get out of this spot. So I've been working since I got, I was able to get my worker's permit just to try and improve my situation. Right. And, uh, right. And that, that was it. Just, just overcoming adversity and taking those basic principles of, of getting past obstacles and applying them throughout life like that. Like you need a little bit of struggle to, right. to really, to really figure that out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I guess you, you, uh, man, I mean, be, being in the service, man, I mean, I think that kind of like explains to me, like, you know, part of the reason why you took that route, man, because you seem like you're still on that path. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. It's, you know, you keep yeah, making absolutely. mistakes. You keep you keep driving on. You keep trying to find ways to improve your situation. So I joined the army because I had a I had a small family coming out the backside of uh, coming out the uh, the fourth year of Laverne. I uh, got my girlfriend pregnant. We had mm-hmm. a, a, a daughter halfway into uh, actually towards the end of the fourth year. I wasn't graduating. I needed to find a way to my degree and still provide for that family. So that's that's what I did. I joined the military so I could do that. Right. Wow, man. Well, it's just that's just definitely being a man, man. I mean, that's that's the true definition of what a man should be, providing for his family, and um, that'd be a great segue for the next segment. But what what about you, Mr. Taylor? How what what do you think the life experiences has shaped you into being a man and, and, and the type of father that you are and those values and morals? Um, because I didn't have any male role models really growing up. Um, I mean, I had like staff that would come in like in the group homes, but there was only one cat like who I really latched on to. Uh, he's uh, his name was Kevin McCall. He played running back for the University of Oregon, um, and like he, you know, he got he's the one that kind of got me into football. He was saying, "What are you doing sitting sitting up here with your big ass watching TV? You should go play football." And you know, uh, long story short, you know, so like I, my love for sports and athletics came from him. 
but as far as like just overall just like learning how to be a man and just learning how to just even be a father and learning you know fatherly type traits and stuff I would say that my biggest influence and inspiration would come from uh, one of my closest friends um, Frank Martin he uh, he's a little bit older than I am he's a father of three uh, and he's a guy who didn't have a dad growing up but he had a mom who was a nurse and was out there grinding getting hers and he just kind of took right. me under his wing like you know like he was my big brother and just you know every showed me little things and just you know would give me advice on spending money and saving money and to this day i call him up and i go you know if i have uh stock questions or just you know cooking questions hey man how do you season this as opposed to doing that like how do you season salmon properly like he's the guy that i go to and i've known him since i was 21 years old and i'm 46 now and i say that he's been my biggest inspiration because a i feel like number one he's a father that has been there for his children since day one and you know his oldest son now is just graduated from usc still has another year of uh, eligibility left to play ball there um he's just a good dude and if it wasn't for him i probably i don't know where i'd be really as a father i think that he definitely helped shape and molded me to be the best be- best version that i could be all right great man great now i'm gonna um segue which with you as doc and i'm gonna seg- segue back to jeremy um i think we lost Corey on the call but that's why we'll keep going um so here's an interesting question, man. Like, I don't know about you guys, you know, but um, one of the biggest things about not having a father um, and then later having a minister, a stepfather, that was very difficult for me was, was adolescence, you know, growing up, going from that boyhood man and getting into girls and, and having a lot of sex questions, man. Having having a conversation with my mother um, about sex was the worst experience <laughs> I've ever had in my life. I'm going to give you guys my second. No, for real, because it came straight from the Bible. This was my sex talk. Mom, I like this girl. Don't do it. You're going to go to hell. Wait till you get married. End of discussion. Boom. You know, no technicality, no no explanation about the, the, the mechanics, no no nothing. And then you go to school, you get the, you get the basics, and that's about it. But not having a, a my father there and not really being comfortable enough to talk to a minister, you know, a stepfather. You know, I, I was still getting to know this guy. It was very difficult. So, again, I had to go out the streets and, you know, Playboy magazines. And I don't, you know, I'm showing my age back in the day when we had. Scramble channel, you know what I'm saying? The scramble channel to see to see those types of things, man. Like I, I don't know, man. Like what what you know, what questions for you? Like trying like, you know, I, I don't know how close you know, you said you were close, but like did you really feel that comfortable talking about those types of things with, with your stepfather at the time or your father at the time? Uh me no. I mean that whole thing, mm-hmm. um, like I was never comfortable enough. Like Sean's dad and I, we never had those conversations. Um, and my mom, when she that you know she'd asked about, you know, am I doing anything or have I done anything or whatever? And her, can we cuss on this before I say this next sentence? All right, uh, yeah. she, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And you know, my mom, my mom. <laughs> God damn it! Shit. My Go mom's uh, sex <laughs> advice was, and I this. Direct quote: It was just keep your dick in your pants. I was like, all right, well, this was very, very helpful. Um, the yeah. so you got my yeah, talk, it was the same, my, same you got my talk. And okay. so <laughs> we, and I think it was probably right. a bad idea. Uh, our cousin Gene was closer to our age, and he used to take us around to like the pool parties and stuff. And that's where we picked up a lot of the stuff that 
we first learned or thought about, you know, when it came to women and sex. And he was probably not the best role model, but that was all we had. Um, and, you know, it took a long time to get out of some of those ideas and those habits. But that that was it. Like, it never talked to any, you know, the guys my mom was with, never talked to, never talked to pops or anything like that. All right, cool. What about you, Jeremy? Like, what do, what do you, so now that you're a father and, and you know, I don't know how, how you grew up learning about the birds and the bees and just the, the typical uh, questions of being being a man, like, um, are you comfortable with your son having that conversation? Is that because that you know that you didn't have it or that you did have it and you wanted to do it a different way, et cetera? How do you, how do you feel about that? Well, my background, like you, kind of came from, I learned about sex through uh, my uncle Hugh Hefner <laughs> and Larry Flint. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's how I learned about women period and so forth like that I remember I asked my grandmother one time I said grandma what's a condom she said those are the big apartments that the people live in across the street I said <laughs> so there it goes to show you where you know where that was at so um, I mean really with my son you know I have conversations with him and they're all basically just all my trial and error mostly the errors and i tell him everything you know i say you know i tell him i say son you know you're gonna fall in love with every girl you know you become a girlfriend with that you know and then she's gonna want to you know do this and i tell him you know hey no matter how good uh, it feels without a condom it feels better with a condom when your wallet is full because you ain't got a kid that you can't pay for wow great advice great advice great advice man I mean, damn, that's that's real, Corey. I mean, we lost you for a second. Welcome back, but um, we're just talking about like you know, since you since you pretty much grew up with your mom, you know, and in the new situation, your grandparents, man, like the technical stuff, you know, the birds and the bees, females talking to sex. Like, who did you have to, to talk about the natural feelings of just being a, a young man and and, and uh, you know talking about those the mechanics, the the love and the emotion about a woman? Oh, you there? There you go. You there? I think you might have lost him again. Hey, I got a quick question. All right. Go ahead. Mr. Bailey, you, growing up, you believed one father was your dad. And then when you found out the other Mm -hmm. dude was your dad, was there, how much resentment or anger towards your mother did you have? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a good valid question um you know what at that point i didn't really have any and i mean this was literally just last year um so my relationship with her had been on and off not like we didn't see each other just like hot and cold um for a really long Mm -hmm. time and she actually you know one of the things that helped me grow and this goes back to the question clyde asked earlier about you know what helped you help shape you she moved to nevada my fresh my first semester of freshman year at laverne so i was on my own all of a sudden at 18 and so that was a big strain on the relationship and things have just been on and off since and so by the time i found out about this like to be honest you know there's kind of just a she's my mom but that's it like there's no you know i called her earlier and it was a two-minute conversation you know it's that it's that kind of thing so i don't yeah i don't really have that resentment for it for her lying about it you know they obviously made the they made the choice that they felt was the best one um and even if i did try to ask her about it i'm not going to get anything more than a few sentences 
if that about the explanation about why they did that. So I don't really hold anything against her for it. She was also only 22 when she got pregnant with me. So she was super young. Um, so, you know, that's, yeah. that's just what they did. And all things considered, you know, my, I made plenty of bad choices growing up just that could have gone south. Like, and I still turned out all right. So I can't like be super mad at her for it, but yeah, especially at Laverne. <laughs> yeah, especially in college, I can vouch Shit, for we that. all made bad yeah. decisions at Laverne. <laughs> at least, Woo, at least none well, of those haunt you, we, that was, <laughs> We'll say that for another podcast. Yeah, definitely. I got a, I got an interesting question. I think this is, this is kind of, uh, this is kind of like for everybody, man. Um, and it's a hot topic. Uh, politics. You know, um, you know when you when you're growing up, you know you're supposed to get you know your morals and values from your father, man. And your mother, and, and your mother, and just how you grew up. You know, I don't know for for you guys. You know, um, it's been kind of funny. I've been going through this this like transition politically. <laughs> I'm not happy with either the Republican nor the Democratic Party. Um, I see, you know, both sides. You know, are you a Bernie you know, guy? Having a lot. Of- no, I'm not a Bernie guy. Not you know. I mean, I'm not a Bernie guy. I'm just trying to find the best fit for the country at the time. Um, you know. I just feel personally, especially with the with the tragedy that happened up in um, you know Georgia, you know I, I want somebody to stick up for the African American mm-hmm. community, um, you know, with better voice and, and not just speeches and marches and things of that. You know, I want to see action. So uh, until I find that person in the political party that's going to do that, you know, that's 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 who I'm waiting to you know for my support to show. But my point being is, where did you get your values and your morals from? You know, like, is it, was it, you know, not, not having that male role model, like, you know, you, you touched on it, Jeremy, like, right, let's, let's keep it real, you know, cooking, right, you know, the grill, everybody, every, every, you know, red-blooded American male, you know, either, either, you know, a griller or, you know, I'm not putting everybody in the box, I'm just speaking hypothetically, but, you know, those morals and values, how to shave, how to drink, you know, you have a cold beer with the, with, with the guys, you know, um, those, those, those type of morals and values man like how 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 did how did you guys develop that without without you know knowing your father or knowing your your background as much for you um i know for me like when the times that i did spend with my dad my dad was a republican which was as a black man even growing up as a kid you know you don't really know a whole lot but you know the one thing like black republicans Mm -hmm. like a unicorn is really just not you know you know unless you're like candace owens or somebody like that or uh What's old girl's name? Stacy Dash <laughs> or some shit, you know? Uh, so, now we're not talking about Stacy. No, so we don't ever bring up Stacy Dash in my pocket. You can bring up Candace Owens, never stop. Just keep going, my I brother. Mean, so, you know, <laughs> like, um, you know, so I remember, you know, learning something about politics, but my all my political views have just come up through my own and through my own understanding and research, reading, and just kind of formulating my opinions. Um, you know, friends too. Most of my friends are all Democrats. I don't think I have any, I don't have any, I have one friend who voted for Trump and I've known him for about 20 years. And he, uh-huh. he said initially when he voted for Trump that he was like, oh, I just don't want another politician in there and so forth like that. And he's a highway patrolman. So he's worked, uh, he said he's had to work for Mr. Trump a couple of times. And he said he was always nice and gracious and so forth like that. Um, so yeah, basically all my political views have just been shaped on my own. Uh, my dad had, I wouldn't want to be a Republican because if you have any kind of common sense, especially as a young black man in America, you realize that the Republican party <laughs> could give two shits about you. So I always found that kind of right. weird, even though I didn't know a lot about politics when growing up, I just found it weird that 
my dad chose that path but my dad was um the times i did spend with him he was very um like he was black on the outside but he felt like he, in order for him to really make it he needed to be white on the inside if that makes any sense to you mm-hmm. like he felt like he needed no, it does make sense. so um yeah i hope that answers your question no, I mean, it's, I guess a, that's a great background, man. I mean, I know Beverly, you're, you're, you're probably one of the more uh, evolved persons that I've known. Ah, there we to go. Politics. All right. Oh, there you go. There you go. I don't hey, know hey, that responding back. to some, some group stuff. Anyways. Oh, yeah. So, talking about politics right, ahead, and how we, how we formulated opinions, right? So, I think it, my, my perspective comes from just my experience mm-hmm. and, and kind of the things that got me to where I am. Um, as far as that progressing through life and things that, that benefited me to get to me, get me where I'm at, kind of uh, just personal experience. It wasn't a projected from a person. These are my beliefs, so you should adhere to them. You know what I mean? Which I like a lot because I can formulate my own opinions and, and, and right. now I can think critically as a result because, you know, I was able to do that and not just spoon fed beliefs, right? So. I mean, growing mm-hmm. up in the public school system right. and then seeing my kids in the public school system in red states, I can kind of make a comparison as far as like they're, they're not treating these kids that are disadvantaged as well in those places where they're not providing that, that same opportunity. They're not they're not funneling money into those systems by whether it's Democratic or Republican, what have you. It's just, you mm-hmm. know, that that social uplifting, if you will, you know. I came, I came to the public school system and there was a there was a mm-hmm. marine science academy within the high school that was also publicly funded that I got the opportunity to go into because my science and math scores were up. So that kind of accelerated me into um, the field that I'm in as far as engineering, you know? So it's it there was a lot more opportunities available, which is why I, I have a tendency to lean a little bit more left where we, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. lean on our man. Right. Man, hey, man. I like guns, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <man. laughs> so you you say you like guns. What do you? What's your opinion on the potential mm. ban of assault weapons? Uh, oh, dang! Oh, Drop. Damn, Damn it. it. Why did we get to the All right. I'll message it. I'll text him right. and tell him to jump well, back I, on. I, uh, I, I, listen, listen. I'm yeah. jumping on that one, uh, Jeremy. Um, like, whew, it's kind of crazy, man. You know, um, growing up in inner city, man, um, especially in the late 80s and, the, um, you know, 90s, man, I've seen, you know, way more than I'm supposed to, you know, touched guns and seen things way that I'm supposed to. Mm-hmm. I've been to more funerals than... Um, some soldiers, you know, I would never compare myself to, you know, anybody serving for our country, but it's just a fact, you know, I mean, I've lost count at, at 42 of how many funerals that I've gone to. Um, and I would say uh, 50% of those funerals, no, I'll say 60% of those funerals were because of, you know, automatic weapons and, and, and just weapons in, in, the, in the community, you know. Um, so therefore, I, I wanted to see change. But then when you see that video of the young father, is he back? That young jogger uh, who 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 got murdered, man. You know, you, you definitely felt if he was armed or was carrying something a little bigger that it it wouldn't happen. Um, so it was, I just had mixed emotions, man. You know, um, 
you know, the people in my life are, you know, definitely anti-gun, but, you know, deep down, it's, I feel like, um, you know, Brother Malcolm said, you know, by any means necessary, and I'll put my guns up if you put your guns up, so, you know. Mm-hmm. So are you anti-guns or are you anti-assault weapons? Because the extended magazine weapons, the the, the weapons that can, you know, have yeah. multiple rounds, not just talking about like, you know, a Smith & Wesson or a Glock that has like, five, you know, six, six to 16, you know, uh, rounds of ammunition, as opposed to like, you know, an AR-14 or I mean, something I'm, like I'm, that. I'm definitely more anti-assault, you know, guns. I mean, I, I just don't see why, you know, you know, what are you, what are you hunting that you need? that type of magnitude of weapon you know <laughs> you know you're not hunting a dinosaur um i definitely mm. think you should people that. we're you hunting go. people yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the only yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of with you on that one clyde like if you live in montana and you you know you can go bag an elk you can go get some you know go dove hunting go duck hunting like i get yeah. it I don't understand why somebody in Los Angeles or like, let's say Granada Hills <laughs> needs an AR-15, you know, I'm like, or, you know, what, what is that even, what, what purpose does that serve? Oh. Um, it's, it, but it, and I understand that they're protected and I, and I think it's a real straw man argument when people say that any law is that gets passed means that they're coming to take away your guns. Like, no, that's not what that means right. at all. Uh, so it's yeah it's I don't buy the slippery slope arguments I don't buy you know that being a having the right to bear arms means you can have your own small arsenal like it just it just doesn't make I mean sense. is that I mean, not the entire intent of the the Constitution the Second Amendment is that is that not our, our ability to defend ourselves from our own government yeah well you know what these Packer Woods over in Missouri, <laughs> not you, are not, they're not fucking, they're not a militia. And if the military does come after them, they aren't going to win. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah. like, all these dudes think that they are in a John Wick movie, mm. and they're not. Like, dude, you can barely get out of the, the, uh, the seat at Chipotle. You're not, you're not yeah. doing anything to anybody. I mean, I think it comes down to regulation, brothers. I mean, my, my biggest fear is yeah, like, what, yeah, what I just said, like, you know, I mean, literally, man, how old was I? I think I was 12, 11 to 12 years old when I first saw my AK-47, you know, with the banana clip and, and actually got a chance to shoot it. Mm-hmm. I mean, why in the blue hell at, at 11, 12, you know, am I able to, to know somebody that has access to this? You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, why yeah. if you're in Richmond, California, if you're in Compton, if you're if you're in if you're in, in in any any urban area, like you know, like what is the point? You know, you're there there are no ducks and there are no elk, there are no bears, you know. I just don't <laughs> You don't need an AK forty seven to shoot a duck. You don't need one to yeah, shoot, no. a, shoot an elk. We're not trying like, to shoot uh... duck or elks. <laughs> yeah, but see, but it's different with you, Corey, because you're in the military. But like, you're you, okay. You're in the yeah. military, so you have a reason to, if anything, to own one. But for your average Joe citizen, there's no reason for your average Joe citizen to own an AR-15. You want to hold a shotgun? You want to hold a handgun? It's perfectly fine. Have no problem with an assault weapon or anything that can be turned into a, you know, and fire multiple rounds like that. It's, it it doesn't make any sense. We don't need it in the country. As we're, a civilian, there's zero reason as a civilian. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, of we're only just part. barely over a century beyond, a century and a half beyond the last civil war, right? Which is, which is only like mm-hmm. a speck in time, based 
comparatively to to humanity's mm-hmm. history, right? So at any given moment, we can reach that divide that puts us on the precipice where where we're at war in our fucking home. At which point, I would like the opportunity to defend my family against anything that's occurring outside the walls of my house. Oh, man, especially especially during this time, man, you know, uh, I know someone mentioned John Wick, man, and I want to kind of segue into this during this whole pandemic uh, of Corona being that we're all in different places, man. Um, You know, being in New York, you know, I actually feel like, you know, John Wick or Will Smith and and I am legend when when you go to the grocery stores and you don't (laughs) see enough food and you see people wilding out in the streets, man, the crime going up, man. I mean, trust me, I, I really thought about stocking up on uh, you know, on on weapons, you know, to protect myself, and and you know, being in in a closed in place, man, for the first time in my life. I mean, I really had those, uh, th- those type of thoughts. Like I was in Richmond, you know, there was a time in my life when I didn't walk outside, uh, without you know having something illegally uh, concealed. You know, statutes of limitations, and you know, this could be for entertainment purposes if anybody's listening. But you know, I had access. You know, I had, I had like, easy access, man. It wasn't hard, you know. Um, and you know, mm-hmm. now today it's 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 a lot harder. But you know, when people talk about gun re- regulations, man, we're we're talking about an attack on people, man. And it's just so much going on, you know. Like how how do we how do we fix it? And how do how do we get to that point where we, you know, we know who has it and, and whatnot? Do we upgrade the, the the level of education on on this on this type of stuff, man? You know. But anyway, how are you guys doing Absolutely. through all this stuff, man? How are you feeling through, through all this nonsense? I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually doing all right. You know, I uh, well, it's funny because I I started dating someone in December, and then this happened. And so now she's we're staying together here, and we're like, oh, so we're just gonna see if this is gonna last real quick. Oh, you on um, a trial run? Is that shit? Yeah, so we're like, oh, let's just see if this is gonna work. This is before we invest a year into it. Um, Netflix and but, chill. <laughs> yeah, Netflix and chill. Quarantine and chill. It, <laughs> it's been cool to not have you know not to just because I already worked from home, so it's been fine to have somebody else here and not just my cats uh and not just be alone you know seven days a week because you can't even go anywhere anymore um but i do i will say last week was one i think it was tuesday or wednesday was the first time through all of this that i actually did wake up and was like what what day is today you know like it was the first time because i mean i'm like all these people that talk, you know, oh, is it Saturday? Is it Thursday? Like, shut up. You know what day it is. Like, that, but that was the first day I was like, huh, I actually don't know what day it is right now when I first woke up. Um, but it's going to be weird when it's all over because then we have to get back out there around people and no one's going to trust each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm so over it. The world is on punishment. What about you, Jeremy? How you how you feeling, man? Especially with the kids, you know, in the house and, you know, I, I know last time we talked, you trying to relax and you hear everything in the background how are you dealing with all this um it's been a little weird uh so i have uh i'm one of the uh uh, unlucky few that has multiple baby moms i got two baby moms uh you know my daughter she lives with her mom and i haven't been able to i've seen my daughter maybe like three or Mm. four times physically uh, and when I do, I gotta have gloves on and you know wear a mask and you know so forth like that to see her. So it kind of sucks. 
you know, because uh, getting right. daddy kisses is like the right. best thing in the world. Can't really get them. Um, my son was at his mom's house when the pandemic broke out, so he was like with his mom for like the first six weeks. He just came back home. Oh wow! Friday, and it was great because you know, you know, I miss my son, man. You know, I miss him doing dumb shit, and <laughs> playing horrible music in the house, and just you know, stuff like that. You know, so it it was kind of it was cool to have the peace and quiet, but at the end of the day, like I miss my kids and I just miss interacting with them and just, you know, being like, it sounds super cheesy. That's not cheesy at all, brother. I mean, that's that's what it's about. I think, uh, you know, I'm not going to say, I think I believe and I truly know that during this whole pandemic, man, you really value the relationships, you know, um, being that, that we're recording this podcast on mother's day. Uh, you know, I, I talked to my mother, I video chatted with her, um, know what is is difficult because i had planned to be with her and you know the fear factor because you know of her age group uh doing this and and you know uh it just i don't know i don't know you guys experience but it just seems like the older people get the more stubborn and stuck in their ways you know you still you know had to fuss at her about going to church and not wearing a mask and you know the little things you know why get the big things you know but to get back to my point it just makes you value those things you know it's not cheesy at all jeremy because you value those relationships man i mean I'm, I'm i value this conversation you know i value the opportunity to have this discussion on this podcast you know because it brings us together and to really um express and explain a lot of things that a lot of people don't talk about man you know i think we covered a lot today yeah. yeah, I think I think a lot no. of what's going to come out of this, and well, for, and also very quickly, that whole generation is stubborn, and they won't listen, and I don't know what to do. Uh, <laughs> our parents, and like it's just it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. But I do think that one of the things I hope I don't know I know I, I jump on Twitter too much, and I have to remember like this is not real life. But um, <laughs> I, th- I I hope people understand and like kind of reevaluate what they think is important after basically having it all taken away, even if it was temporarily and even not like permanent, you know, it really taken away, but like having to reevaluate relationships and especially like, you know, Jeremy and Corey, you guys with your kids, like Jeremy, that had to suck to not see your kid for six weeks. And like, you know, you have two, you can maybe split like one and one, but yeah, not to have either of them. That just sounds just devastating. And like, but now it's gonna make, and hopefully it makes him too, like understand how much more important it is to actually have you around and be able to interact with you when things are back to you know some relative normalcy yeah no doubt facetime helps out a lot facetime helps out a lot but it 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 was definitely hard understandably so like I, i i get it and i you know i wasn't fighting it you know because at the end of the day we need to be safe and but yeah it was brutal but you know it's it was the best thing for all, yeah. all people. What about involved. you, Corey? Man, how's it been? Um, you know, just trying to you know have conversations with your kids through this whole thing. It's just it's like a fifth deployment for me. Like, I mean, I got to put things into perspective, keep myself, um, I guess grounded. I think back to my first deployment, we didn't have internet. We got like fifteen minutes on a sat phone once a week where we could talk to the family. <laughs> so that was a whole year worth of that. Um, you know, so like putting it into perspective, kind of thinking back to those times, I'm like, yeah, this sucks. I knew I was going to be away from them right now because I'm in school, but I was mm-hmm. planning on being able to at least come back once a month and visit with them, which I'm not sure that's even going to happen until after this school's over. 
like September time frame. So, so we'll we'll, we'll see. Right. That sucks. Considering I just came back from a nine month deployment in Turkey, so it's like uh, it's just ecstatic, uh, the anguish. You know what I mean? Hey man, you know what? I I don't think I've ever asked you this, but I've always been curious. What what's the food like when you're deployed over there, man? It's better what food it than we get fed here. For like the defect, usually in Afghanistan, uh, the food is way better. They they keep you well fed unless you're out on route and you're out on rich, on a mission like forward. Then you're doing like MREs or sometimes you'll get some hot food, but not very rarely. Um, sometimes we'll, we'll pull over and get some food from the locals. Um, but for the most part, they keep you pretty well fed because they need your energy levels up so you can right. perform. And okay. What's a oh, typical man. Every day I had like a three or four egg scramble with some fruit, usually like melon. Uh, they they always had everything. Like they would always have pancakes. They always have cereal, um, a, an array of fruit, like a whole salad bar. It was kind of like doing a breakfast buffet every day. Wow. Okay. <laughs> So no MREs? Oh, uh, usually when we're out on mission like? or when we're first setting up a place and they don't have uh, the facilities to to serve hot food yet. And and are they good or well, like how would you rate that's an terrible. MRE? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, some yeah. Of them, I, I mean, obviously some are better than others, but we we used to have this one was like a veggie omelet. Like that that's not something that should be in a package and <laughs> it was like coagulated, uh, uh, snot, nasty, ugh. <laughs> nope. It's always the last one oh. in the box, and then we just throw the box away. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I feel so bad for you guys. Man. Yeah, hey man, well, listen, listen, man. I don't I don't want to go past, but we I just want to say, you know, you my brother, man, I appreciate you know your service. I appreciate your input, man. You're a hell of a father, man. So thank you. I appreciate. It. And the fact that you got to go through that, God bless you, man. <laughs> God bless you. For real, because yeah. brother, like yeah. brother, like that, that might make me go a wall or something, man. Like damn. <laughs> hey, well, listen up, man. Um, I want to wrap this podcast up, and, I, and I'm there. This is just not. This is not the only time that we're going to do it. Um, you know, we're, there's so many topics, man. Hopefully, when uh, football season comes, we can definitely uh, have some more. And there's a lot of things. So, uh, before I let everybody go, I just want to give everybody the last word. You know, you can say whatever's on your heart. You can say, uh, you know, wrap up the podcast how you feel. So, uh, let's start with Corey. Corey, man, give me your last word. Anything that you want to share, say, and we'll go from there. Hey, it's Mother's Day, so I want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there doing it. You know, like we, they uh, they don't get they don't get as much credit as they as they deserve. Um, but yeah, and all the dads, keep doing your thing, keep keep rocking that too. Like the, the kids, the kids are the important part. That's that's what we're here for. That's what this whole thing's about is understanding that perspective and that link and that support system, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Dude. Let's go with Mr. Sean Bailey, man. Give me your last word. Uh, well, I want to say thanks for organizing this. Um, it was a lot of fun. Glad we were able to get it out of the way. And we still have to do one about why uh, you like Mayweather and I'm Great. only lukewarm on him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, this was good. It was good talking to everybody and, and meeting Jeremy. Um, 
and yeah it's mother's day uh if you haven't called your mom by now by the time you hear this it's probably too late um but if you did call her i hope everything went well and it was a good conversation um and i hope you're all right out there in new york man i haven't been to new york in a while and i haven't been to harlem ever uh but next time i come out there i i will definitely uh come visit Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And last but definitely not least, Mr. Jeremy um, Taylor. Give me your last word. Did you hear me? Did you break up? Sorry. Yeah, I can hear ah, you. There you go. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, we'll definitely do this again sometime. I'm down for football. We'll make some football preseason picks. Um, and uh, I will each invite all of you guys to the Super Bowl party when the Cowboys go this year. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you know, well, you, know, I'll, you can edit that part out, Clyde. You yeah. can edit that part. Out. Nah, I don't. I don't want to edit that part out because <laughs> when it doesn't happen, I'm. I'm. A, I'm a, That's uh, all right. Well, week one, Cowboys Smith and Rams. And uh, it's gonna be cracking. I'll be there. <laughs> Oh, that's true. That's going to be a good game. But that is. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, on that note, I'm going to wrap up today's show on the Open Run Podcast. I just want to personally thank all my brothers. And when I say my brothers, no matter what color or creed we are, we are brothers. Um, happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. And, uh, you know, please be safe. Please take your precautions. Keep social distancing. And remember, the only way we can get to a solution is to have start with conversation, take action and then move it. So uh, once again, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you take the chance to listen to the Open World Podcast, we thank you. And we will definitely be back with these brothers. Have a great day, evening. Salute. Peace. All right.